Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Our text today is going to be taken from the reading we heard in the Gospel of Luke. You may be seated. We begin with the word of prayer. Almighty God, you have seen fit to approach us today by means of a word. And Lord, we seem to look for you in so many other more supernatural, more miraculous places, and yet you have humbled yourself to show up in the flesh of Jesus in the word that is preached in bread and in wine. So Lord, today as we receive your word, we pray that it would enter our ears and our hearts and you would grant us your Holy Spirit, so that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts would be pleasing in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer, in Jesus' name, amen. I think one of the most frustrating jobs you could ever have in the history of the world would be to uh, be Jesus Christ's public relations agent. I think that would be a very frustrating job. Because you would try to make Jesus so appealing to the masses, and you would know Jesus had all the tools in his belt to make everybody come to him, and he would just refuse to listen to them. So think about our reading from the gospel today. You have Jesus here, and he's coming on the scene, sort of introducing his ministry, and he's casting out demons, and he's healing diseases, and the people from all over the place are flocking to him. And right now, if you're Jesus' PR agent, you're thinking, this is great. Everybody's coming to him. This is going to be the easiest job in the history of the world. Everybody wants to follow Christ. And then Luke writes this. People sought him and came to him and would have kept him from leaving them. But he said to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to other towns as well. For I was sent for this purpose. And he was preaching in the synagogues of Judea. Can you just imagine how frustrating that would be for Jesus' public relations agent? He's, He's sitting there and he's going, listen, Jesus, look, everybody is coming to you, and it's not because of the sermon. It's because of the miracles. They want you to cast out the demons. They want you to heal their diseases, and you just want to preach? No, 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 Jesus. People want action, not words. You know the old saying, Jesus, preach the gospel, and when necessary, use words. And right now, we don't need the words. We got all the healing. We got all the exorcisms. This is great. Besides, words are overrated. Just think, Jesus, you can learn a little bit from that great popular singer, Madonna. Madonna, who once sang this, words are useless, especially sentences. They don't stand for anything. Now, Jesus, never mind that Madonna used a sentence to convey that message. Just listen. Words are overrated. Actions speak louder than words. So no more foolish preaching, Jesus. Stay here. Heal diseases. Cast out demons. The nations will come running to you. Give them what they want. Less talk. More miracles. That's what I would have said to Jesus if I were his public relations specialist. And Jesus would look at me, I'm sure, with a bit of frustration in his eyes and say, I must preach. I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God the other towns as well, for I was sent for this purpose, that is, to preach. He's just so special. All that healing he could have done, all those demons he could have cast out, all the thousands and millions who would have come flocking to him if he had just done what they wanted. But he says he wants to preach, and it just seems so foolish. And it does seem foolish to us. 
it very much is a counterintuitive way uh, uh, from how we think about things. By our standards, preaching is overrated and at times unnecessary, and yet Jesus says it is why he has come. And so in this text today, it raises all kinds of questions for me. What's the big deal about preaching? What's more, why perform the miracles at all? If you're here to preach, why do you start by casting out demons and healing diseases? What's more, why are you leaving the towns after you do these miracles there as they are still filled with more sick people, more people oppressed by demons? Why are you leaving them behind? You clearly have the ability to heal them. Why do any of the miracles in the first place? Well, here, to answer some of these questions, I think it's very helpful for us to remember our church calendar. We are, after all, in the season of Epiphany. Now, Epiphany is the season that comes after Christmas. And what do we celebrate at Christmas? Well, at Christmas, we celebrate the Incarnation, God coming to us in the flesh, the birth of Jesus Christ from the Virgin Mary. That's what we celebrate and rejoice in, God invading our world to bring us salvation. Now, as we enter into the season of Epiphany, Jesus reveals to us the nature of his mission, the nature of who he is. As the theologians like to say, Jesus is revealing to us his person and his work. He's giving us a revelation, or if you will, an epiphany to help us understand who he is and why he has shown up. And that's precisely why he begins his ministry with so many miracles. He begins his ministry by casting out demons to demonstrate to us that he is the one who has authority over the demons. They can't control him. He heals diseases to demonstrate that he is the one who has the power over life and death. And he has the ability to heal people. And then, after he does these things, he leaves these towns and will not be controlled by anybody to show that he has not come to work under our authority. But as we spoke about last week, he's come on God's terms, not ours. He's come to work according to God's will and God's desire. Not according to our will. Not according to our desire. Not even according to our immediate perceived need that we have. Because you see, Jesus knows this. Jesus knows that if he is known merely as a miracle worker, that's all people will demand of him. And if they keep controlling him and forcing him to perform more and more miracles, he will never get to the business for which he has actually arrived. That is to preach. That is to preach a message to the salvation of the world. For Jesus knows that faith doesn't come through seeing the miraculous. Faith doesn't come through witnessing incredible uh, feats of, uh, of, of miracle in our lives. Faith comes through hearing. This is what St. Paul writes, surprisingly, in Romans chapter 10. Faith comes through hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. Faith is created, surprising, by the means of mere words, leaving one person's lips and entering another person's ears. And that's hard for us to believe, and quite frankly, I don't think we really trust the process. For us, we think words need to be backed up with actions. Actions speak louder than words. That's the way we think. That's why we make up unbiblical phrases like preach the gospel and when necessary, use words. You need to understand that the gospel is a technical term that simply means good news, and news, by definition, 
is words that are conveyed. Good news is good words that are conveyed to give us hope and life and, and joy. It's like when you open up your uh, news feed or your newspaper and you see that it says Tom Brady has retired. And you're like, this is good news. And then you read it two hours later and say, that's not true. And you're like, that's not good news. But that news changed something for you. Changed the reality for you. Or think of it probably more like this. It's probably a little bit better of an illustration. Uh, at the end of World War II, World War II ends, you open the papers, and what does it say? The war is over. Those are words that convey a reality that changed the world you live in. That's what preaching is. The delivering of news that convey a reality that changes the world you live in. That's what Jesus comes to preach. Jesus comes to preach this truth, that in a sense, the war is over. That God's creation has rebelled against him, turned its back on him, uh, fought a war against him. And God, who had every right to punish his creatures, to send his creatures to hell, to condemn his creatures, has chosen instead to send his son to die in their place. God, in his mercy, has chosen to forgive his people by paying for their sins in himself in Jesus Christ. And so Christ has come to end the war and to reconcile sinners to God through his death. Now at this point, that's just really good information. That's just interesting to know, the historical fact. But what makes this gospel, what makes this good news is that you find out here today that this is what Jesus Christ has done for you. That he has reconciled you, the rebellious sinner, to God. You are the sinner for whom he has died. You are the one he shed his blood for and you are forgiven on account of Jesus Christ. That is the gospel. That is the message Jesus came to preach. And it is that message of his life, death, and resurrection for us that actually saves. This is the preaching that, that creates faith. Jesus is your Lord, so you are forgiven. And that still doesn't answer the question entirely for us, why the miracles? I mean, we hinted at it a minute ago. But why does Jesus then come forward performing all of these miracles? Well, I can think of, of three reasons. And quite frankly, I think all of these reasons show us that these miracles are performed in service to the preaching of the word. The first miracle is this, or the first reason I should say is this, is because Jesus loved those people. He saw them in their need, he saw them suffering, and so he healed them. That's the first reason, it's just that simple. Second reason why I think Jesus performs miracles is this. It gains an audience for him. He performs these miracles so people start to listen to what he has to say. When he casts out demons by means of his word, the people begin to say, my goodness, what is this word that has such authority? And then they're all ears. And now Jesus begins to preach to them. And now he begins to show them that this word that has the authority to cast out demons is the same word that has the authority to forgive their sins. His miracles demonstrated that he had the authority of God Then third and finally, I think he performs these miracles to point us to something else. And to point us to the reality that he is about to accomplish in his dying and his rising. He is showing us what he is ultimately and finally going to do for us in these miracles. 
what I think is very interesting today is as you read through this text, notice the order in which things work. First you get the casting out of demons, then you get the uh, healing of the diseases, then everybody is there being healed, and then we have the preaching of Jesus. That's the order they received it when he came on the scene. But for you and I, we'll get the exact same thing, just in reverse. For you and I, the preaching comes first. The announcement of the forgiveness of your sins comes first. Your baptism into Christ Jesus and the giving of his body and blood to you and the bread and the wine, this comes first. So that once you know your sins are forgiven, you also know that you have a hope that is coming. A hope wherein you will be raised from the dead and you will not be bothered by disease anymore where your life will look very much like Peter's mother-in-law where he will call you forth not just from sickness but from death so that you might enter into life everlasting with him and serve him for eternity. You will also experience the casting out of demons. Maybe not by demon possession as such but you will experience Jesus removing Satan and all of his powers from this world and resurrecting the entire creation so that we live in an eternity with no more suffering, no more sorrow, no more pain, no more death. For us, that is to come. First comes the preaching. Then, finally, on the day when Christ returns, will come this miraculous reality. So that is why Jesus has come to preach. He's come to give you that promise. He's come to give you that message of salvation. He gets up from wherever he is, and he goes and he preaches it to all the cities. For that is why he's coming. And that is where you are to follow as you leave here today to go into what will we call the surrounding villages today. That is your home, your community, your places of work, your family, your neighbors. You go to those places with the same gospel of Jesus Christ, proclaiming the same news, and the same Holy Spirit uses those words create faith in the hearts of others so that they might join you here to continue on in their faith in Jesus. This is the message that saves. Jesus Christ has come for you. It's the message that you hear today. And it is the message that he continues to give you through all of our lives. Amen. Let's pray. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for the salvation which you have accomplished for us by your grace. And we thank you for the gift of preaching wherein you deliver your word into our ears and into our hearts. Now grant us, Lord, your Holy Spirit, that this message might not be found only in our ears, but also on our lips, so that others may come to know you in this way. We ask this in Jesus.